0: Welcome to the Back to Basketball Podcast. Athletes, experts, trainers,
1: and mindset coaches. Conversations that will change your perspective on your mind and body and its capabilities so that you can train and live pain-free and with purpose. Now, here's your host, Darcy Koss. On today's episode of the Back to Basketball Podcast, we have Ransford Brempong. Ransford is a retired professional basketball player who after finishing his career at Western Carolina was the all-time leader in block shots. He went on to play five years overseas as well as eight with the Canadian national team. He now lives in Vancouver where he focuses his energy on coaching and training youth basketball players. His goal is to grow and help develop the game in Vancouver in whatever aspect someone might need. He is also a music lover and spoken word poet. We talk about playing against Kobe Bryant and why Kobe was just different, the emotions and difficulties of blowing out your knee and the rehab surrounding it, how injuries should change your life for the better, and self-talk and motivation. Remember to like, rate, subscribe, and write a review on the podcast, as well as follow us on social media. Okay, here's my interview with Ransford Brampong. All right, today on the Back to Basketball podcast, I have Ranf- Ransford Brampong. Ransford, I appreciate you coming on and uh, joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, Darcy. I'm excited. It's two Winnipeg
1: boys chatting it up, right? Well, exactly, man. So I was actually just going to say that we have that connection, uh, that connection being Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, uh, and also another connection um, was a few other ones, but you know, ones that are more rooted for me personally, one of my best friends is Isaac Ansa. his family's from Ghana, and I'm not sure, just curious, actually, do your families know each other? I
0: mean uh yeah we do know each other like I I, I want to say Isaac's like my cousin but that's like in the <laughs> You Gany- guys all say that though. <laughs> yeah. That's in the, like, the Gany- I'm going to give you context. That's in the Ganyan culture. Yep. Um, we moved when I when I was like I was born and raised in Winnipeg, you know um my family moved my my dad and my mother moved over there in their early 30s and there was a bunch of other families that did the same but Mm -hmm. if you can just imagine and put yourself in that situation moving from let's say Ghana one of the hottest places in the world to Winnipeg Manitoba and trying to make a few winners right so that community was really tight and when we were kids I'm talking about like every Sunday it was like the fathers got together and played Mm -hmm. soccer and the kids were on the side just joking around and birthdays were an event and you know Michael Jackson videos was like everyone got together and we had yeah. dance parties and so like as kids we knew each other all really well you know and so that's where we all everyone from Ghana we always were like yo that's my cousin because we mm-hmm. literally my cut my my flesh and blood cousin was in Ghana I never saw them and those were the kids that I grew up with and like real talk like if I did something bad at Isaac's mom's house Isaac's mom could have spanked me you know what I mean and yep. vice versa yep. like we grew up like a community everyone looked out for each
1: other so yeah 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 and it's funny because like i know a few people uh you know from from that community obviously that played basketball and i always wondered and it's funny because i never got the story so it's funny it took me to talk to you to get the actual story because you know, you see that with a lot of uh, different communities who immigrate to Canada, um, you know, I've seen Filipino people say that's my cousin that's, and this and that and the mm-hmm. other, but I think they literally meant it was their cousin. And I was always confused because Isaac would say, yeah, you know, Kevin's my cousin, this person's my cousin. And, and I was like, you guys are actually cousins? And you would be like, yeah, not really but he never explained it like you did. So I thank you for that, for, for giving me some clarity. It's been like, I've been friends with this guy for over 20 years and I, I didn't even get the story from him. So yeah.
0: <laughs> By, yeah. but yeah. side note, some of them are cousins, the tacky. Yeah, the boys,
1: they're actually cousins. Right. Okay, so there like, you, go. there you go. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> that's too funny, man. So, you know, I, I, uh, I wanted to kind of, you know, transition a little bit into into the basketball world here. Now you are one of the few people on this planet earth that played basketball, that has represented their country. And obviously you're one of the few people in this country that played for the national team at the highest level. So, you know, I was curious about who you've played against. Um, It's actually a two part question. The first part is, is who have you played against that you looked at them and said, man, that person just on another level, like you're on the court with them. But you're like, they could be playing at a different level altogether. Is there someone that stood out?
0: For sure. I mean, like, again, I've I've been blessed in my whole career to be able to um, get to the point where I was able to compete against some of these guys that were really like my, you know, their posters were up on my wall, really. Growing up as a kid, I was a basketball junkie. Like, and I always just was a huge fan before I even knew how to play the game. And, you know, playing on the national team, making it to the senior team level, we played against guys like I had, I played against Yao Ming, I played against Marc Gasol, I played, um, I went, you know, with Dwayne Wade, I played on a traveling team with him, uh, you know, after my freshman year of college, and we were in in Italy as roommates for for two weeks. um, So I knew Dwayne Wade and saw him before he was really that guy. I played against Carmelo, Anthony, Chris Paul. I mean, the whole gamut of uh, Chris Bosch. But I always say for me, the one that was, uh, is Kobe, right? Like just the co- Kobe was, you know, he, he was different in terms of, you know, when he played some of these other big guys, like I was never a starstruck kind of guy. I was just like hype. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like, go at this guy. Like if mm-hmm. I can do anything, if I make a play, that's going to be like, I'll, I'll, I'll carry that forever. I'll tell my grandchildren, right? But with Kobe, it was like this... Not a starstruck thing, but it was also he just moved differently. It was almost like he wasn't. He was doing things. I want to say it looked like he was doing them slower, but he was doing them quicker. If that makes sense, right? Like he was so efficient that there was no wasted of energy of anything. And if you didn't match his efficiency, he was by you, right? So if he made a cut, if he leaned or rocked you a little bit to the left, and you didn't like adjust, then he was gone. And if you adjust, yeah. he came the other way because he knew you were ready. Like it was weird. It was he was moving at the game at a different speed is the best way i can say it for being on a court where you you at a certain point on the national level you just realize everyone you're playing with is a high performance athlete everyone is like uh, and the best way to tangibly say that is whatever that person's doing they're going to be doing it very athletic very you know efficient in terms of the way their body movement is. there's going to be no wasted movement and you know they're going to go from point a to point b direct right Kobe was doing, like, again, with everyone who was already doing that, he was making it seem like there was, like, an extra step that he was able to get to that we just didn't know about, right? And mm-hmm. I guess that comes to what I took away from that experience was that it's all, about, you know, a lot of it is preparation. A lot of it is, like, you know, if you play the game for a long enough time, you know, if you do something, if you practice every day at a super intense level, eventually the game, when you play it, when it gets really intense you're okay you're like oh this is the level i like it you know you slow down the game but i think that kobe was also a guy like and he said in his career he was so talented who might have had like the most amount of talent on the court but he had worked his whole career as if he was the last man on the team and so mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in terms of having a combination of all the talent all of the quickness all of the speed all of the athletic all of the all of the athleticism but then also having that work ethic where it was like He had worked so hard in a frantic pace that you could never speed him up you were never he was always playing against himself and himself was better than you right so it was like Mm -hmm, you could mm -hmm. you were playing against you was sort of like you know a pylon and Mm -hmm. you know in in that game i had one moment i always tell people in my kobe uh, my kobe moment was uh we played them in the in, in vegas in 2008 and kobe's on the left block and he's He's looking towards the middle and he's dribbling with his left hand. And, you know, I'm on the I'm on the baseline and help defense. But I was, like, sunk behind where he was looking. And I said, oh, snap. I know what he's about to do. Like, I had, like, this, this moment in the game where I was, like, he's about to, like, he's baiting him to the middle. He's going to spin baseline and he's going to make his, his patent fadeaway, right? And my claim to fame as a young player was I was always I had great timing and I, I broke shot blocking records. I was a shot blocker, right? So I'm in my head right at that moment, I was like, I'm about to block Kobe. This is going to be something, you know, and <laughs> I had already, and it's funny because consciously I remember thinking this. And so like in my head, I was already playing steps ahead of the game and I had shifted over on the baseline. And like I, I thought he took two, or three dribbles and he span off the pressure towards the baseline and I jumped. I thought, you know, I, there's a replay of it online if you look on YouTube, but like I thought I had jumped before he'd even taken off, but like, I jumped and he jumped and I all I remember is when I, when when he saw when I saw him shoot it, I just saw his hand do this, right? Like I just saw like slow mo him do this and I turned yeah. around and he just splashed it and I I remember thinking in my head how the heck did he know I was gonna be there? Like you know usually if you're gonna turn around to take a jump shot you're just turning around to beat the guy you're you're mm-hmm. playing against and if someone jumps in front of you who's actually like a high performance athlete who's long who this is what I do. And I'm in your face, like you shouldn't be able to just act like I'm not there and still splash it. And sure enough, that's what he did. And I uh you know, there's a, a replay online, and I think it's like Bill Walton or whatever the commentator, he's like, Kobe Bryant, so sweet.
1: <laughs> you know, together,
0: this guy really was that,
1: right? Oh man. Yeah. That that's so great. You know, actually, it's funny. I'm actually wearing my uh Canada basketball, (laughs) oddly enough, but uh, it's funny because, you know, to hear you say that, obviously no surprise, Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest, and anyone who, you know, follows the NBA knows about how hard he worked. It was interesting, though, um, there was something else, I think, that, you know, Kobe had that other people don't have because there's plenty of people who work and there's plenty of people who believe in themselves, but he had something else. It was, he was definitely different, and we saw that, um, you know, when he, you know, his Achilles, Achilles, for example. And he's like, oh, no, I'm shooting these free throws. He, he actually sh- shot them. I mean, I don't, I, I've seen people, I've seen people tear their Achilles, man, they're in pain. And mm-hmm. he was just like, I'm going to go shoot these free throws. I don't, again, that's something that only he would do. But again, that's a serious injury. And then he came back from that injury later. And, and, you know, he kept playing basketball and he finished his career exactly, you know, kind of the way you know what you described there as him just going out in a flurry of shots but you know I wanted to kind of relate that to you um speaking of the injury specifically and I know you uh you know when you were performing at your highest uh you blew your knee out and I was curious if you could tell me about the moment when you blew your knee out for sure so um You know, there was a, at that point in
0: my life, and if I'm being frankly honest with you, there was probably, I did that injury in 2009. And I want to say up until maybe 2014, it was like one of these things that was weird. Like if someone asked me about it and I just wasn't in the right mental state and I started talking about it, I'd feel like I was getting emotional because it was such a big moment in my life, right? Like um, up until that point where I blew up my knee and just to give you a backstory, I was playing in Holland. Uh, for one of the best teams in, in that league um, at the time in a city called Croningen. And they were really, that team, you know, they the media in the city was always behind that team. So, like, after every game in the paper, they'd be giving us, like, ratings. Like, you win the game, and they'd be like, Rance, you only got beat. you know? And I'm like, damn, <laughs> like I, I played well at a double-double. But they were just a, a city that really was into the, you know, passionate about the basketball. And so I was... Um, Routine play, I just something happened and someone sort of like buckled my knee. And when that happened, I remember thinking, ah, like that hurt more than it normally. Like, you know, I'm a guy that he played for a long time, he played a high level, like injuries and being hurt, like those are things that we are real things. It's like, no, I play hurt all the time. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like when you can't bear weight, you're like, okay, this isn't right. So when I did it initially. Um I always say my mistake was I should have taken those those images and sent them to like my national team coaches or coaches that were unbiased to the team to just get a, a proper view. But I was a naive kid. I just thought that you know, whatever they said when i I got the images back, they said nothing's torn, and you know, we're thinking maybe like a week. And I remember when they since they said it, it was like,, eh, like, you know stop the stop the tape, like I'm like a week. like. I'm feeling like I can hardly walk right now. Like, how am I going to be able to play in a week? But again, as a, as a basketball player and sort of you're, you're, you're bred to have this mindset if you play at a high level that, like, if someone says you're okay, you're okay. And, like, Rance just toughing it up and, like, figure it out. And, like, the mind over the over the body, mind over matter, you can do a lot of things. So I just kept getting myself ready to play. And then we went into the playoffs. As we got into the playoffs, it just never really got better. And things started to fall like my was my left leg. Things started to go south of that left leg. I started having weird, like I had this Achilles issue that started. I got that something happened on the back of my Achilles where I got this, like I was running differently and it made this sort of uh, welt on my Achilles. And then they said, you know what, Rance, don't worry about practicing. Like I was their starting center. They said, we're going to the playoffs at this time. They said, just keep playing the games. You know, we know you'll, you're a professional. You'll come ready to play the games. Don't worry about wasting your legs on on the, day, on the practices. And even at that, I should have had like red flag saying, Rance, like this is your career. And yes, you're dedicated to the team. And yes, you're all about winning. But like, if you get hurt this year, the team goes on. They don't really, you know, like you're expendable. Like they only care about you as much as you help them win this year. Mm-hmm. I just kept playing, you know, and I would, like I said, I was a naive kid who just never really had a real injury and I love playing and I wanted, I'm not good at sitting out ever. I've never been good at sitting out for anything. I just feel like if you're on a team, that's your mindset. Like you are part of those of your brothers. I'm not trying to be there, you know, watching you guys all like go hard. And, you know, I just don't know how to even react, act around the team if I'm not playing. So I just kept on going and then, you know, we finally made it to, uh, it was like the final game game five or game seven to go to the finals in the playoffs if you win you go to the finals if you lose you're going home and I've been you know hobbling around but I was still effective like when the game started I got my adrenaline going I was fine and I went into that game and the first half I just you know I was like Rance just give it your all like this is you know whatever you're going home anyways tomorrow and actually in reality I I'd, I booked a flight to Ghana at the time. I was supposed to go with my mom right after the season to go, you know, visit my ancestors and my grandmother. So I was excited for that. I said, let's just go hard, right? So first quarter or first half I ended up at 14 points and like six rebounds. So like a pretty good start to the game. And it was like a one-point game. And I went into halftime, and I remember, like, I can remember it clearly. Like, at halftime, like, at the beginning of the game, I was, like, saying little prayers. I had these little routines, and I was just, like, I remember I was a little nervous, but I was, like, you know, just watch over me, and, like, I'm giving this game to you. And then I went in at halftime, and I guess because I played well in the first half, I kind of just thought I was fine. I thought I was, like, all right, let's go. Let's get this win. And I just wasn't focused on the fact that, Rance, you're hurt. And I went in in the second half, and and there was a rebound, and I remember the rebound, it was, like, I was going to have to go get it out of my cylinder is the best way to explain it. So I, had to, I was going to have to like jump and grab it somewhere and then turn and come back down where I wasn't going to understand where my feet were or where I was landing. And I, did, I went and I got the rebound and on the way down, I just remember there was feet and I was trying to land solid and I hit and it was just in my head. I could just see my knee go in, out and back. And then I hit the ground and I was like, damn. I remember just, like, kind of being in shock, like, what did I just do? And, like, you know, in my head, like, ACL was not even in, like, I didn't even, I never spoke those words. I was Mm -hmm, just like, mm -hmm. bro, like, what did I just do? And I'm lying there, like, sort of thriving in pain, grabbing my knee. And it's, like I said, it's the last game of the season. Like, it's packed arena. And the trainer comes and sort of lifts me up. And I remember there was, like, a picture that was taken where they were like I'm hobbling off on one leg and then I went to the back in the tunnel and they're like you know they all had the look on their face like they already knew I was hurt probably and they're like ranch I didn't look good I said no I think I'm okay you know and I'm like just <laughs> let me try to run back and forth and I went to try to run I took a couple steps and I'm like man I you know and then they're like I don't think you can play no more and then that was it I went and sat on the bench and then there was another picture that was taken and I was literally just sitting there watching it and like a tear, like one tear, it was just sliding down my face. And I just remember in my head, I was just sort of like, I was upset at what happened, but then I was just thinking about like, Rance, what did you just do? Like, this is the last game of the season. You're supposed to be going to see your mom tomorrow. Like, hold on a second. And then we lost the game and then you lose the game. And it was a big reality check in terms of just like, this is basketball, but like, this is also life. And this is what happens. And my story was that, you know, the game was done. My contract was finished. As soon as that game was done and now I'm an injured player, there was no contract, really they were just, they're like, you know, like we'll let you stay in your ho- in your apartment for an extra two weeks because I had to get like uh, some stuff done. I couldn't fly because it was too swollen. Everyone else, all my friends and everyone who I built my family with for that time I was there, they flew out the next morning. So then all of a sudden it's like you go from – this experience where the whole year you're trying to win and that's all your mindset is win a championship and you're a professional athlete and you're a high performance athlete too and one day you're looking at yourself like is this like am i used goods like Mm -hmm. all my family and and people that were my teammates are gone i got no contract and i'm just sitting in a in, in an apartment room trying to figure out what the heck's going on right and so I went in to go the next day, they took me in to go get like the imaging and the MRI or whatever. And they put me down there and I just remember lying there. And then uh, the, you know, they're they're speaking in German, but the doctor is talking to my trainer. And then I said, what did, what did he say? Doesn't look good. And then I'm looking and I, all I'm seeing is this, like stuff doing this. I'm like, what the hell is that? And they go, that's your ACL, it's fully ruptured. I was like, ah, uh, because in my head, I was still trying to be in denial I'm like it's maybe not an ACL maybe just an MCL or something like that and they're like I'm like fully ruptured you mean they're like you tore it completely so I did ACL MCL meniscus all like the trifecta just tore up my knee Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so that was it that was uh, the beginning of the next phase of I guess my basketball career because in that happening it was like okay The season's done, now I got to figure out how I'm going to get back. And thankfully for me, I had a lot of support. I mean, it was also in my head when I was thinking, I was like, I just got to the place, (coughs) excuse me, where I sort of solidified myself on the national team and that whole journey for me wasn't one of those where, you know, um, I was heralded and they were, you know, they were saying, oh, this guy's going to be, no, it's like, there was no room for me on the team the first year I made it. I just had to push somebody out. I was like, mm-hmm. you're not cutting me. I won't let you cut me. Mm-hmm. You need a guy like me who will do everything you say, never give you no lip, you know, bust my ass every day in practice, you know, do whatever you guys ask, you know? And so it was like, man, like I'd done all this stuff in my career and now like, am I done? And I just remember people that first night, they're like, you know, my, our fans on the team, they're like, ranch, you know, you had a great career. And it, like, stung me. I was like, career? What are you guys talking about career? Like, you know, like, not over. Like, in my head, I was like, it can't be over. And that was right, again, the beginning of this next phase for me because from there on, it was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot that went into that year of rehabbing. I took a whole year off Mm -hmm. because I missed the next season. I wasn't ready in three months. And then I took the whole year. I just said, let's just take the whole year in rehab. And I rehabbed with the national team trainers and, uh, I was ready to go the next summer.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you, I, I kind of want to, you know, I definitely want to go talk about the rehab process, but something before we get there is I want to know, um, you mentioned some of the emotions. Um, and I know sometimes it's hard to think back and, and remember their emotions, but you, you kind of touched on a little bit, but what were some of the raw emotions that you can speak to them? Like, you know, fear, um, you know, probably, probably unsure about your future, just when you were going through those times there when all your teammates left, and now, again, you're alone. You just found out you're on that table there, and you just found out you blew out your ACL and everything else. Can you just speak to some of the the the, the sure. real emotions you were feeling at that time?
0: Yeah, um, like I said, I, I'm not a, I'm not going to hold no punches. I was scared, you know. Like, there's there's a there's uh, any basketball player like there's certain things that. When you're going through your career, you don't even want to, you know, knock on wood, you don't want to talk about because you're like, I uh, hope that never happens to me. Like Achilles, like again,
1: mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. saw
0: Kobe do that, it's like, or even when KD, when it happened, it's like your gut drops because you're just like, mm-hmm. that's an injury that you know can be your career. Even though you know that there's a potential you can come back, you know, nothing's given, nothing's for sure. Like what if that's the last game I play? And for me, like when I, like again, in terms of, like I said, the fear that I had was... You know, like, I just knew that for me, I was the underdog that got to where I got. And I just wasn't sure if I could get there again. And that was the mm-hmm. initial initial emotion. And then very quickly, and I think for a lot of athletes that are able to make it back, you got to like, I was always really good at playing tricks on my brain. So I was like, right away, there was fear. And then I was like, no, you know what? They don't think I'm going to do it. I got to prove everybody wrong. Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that I wasn't still scared and I wasn't still like really depressed and sad and like man like why me but I was like no I'm gonna prove all these guys that like and I remember early on and like like I'm talking about the first couple days where I was still in those emotions of being like how did this happen and I'm scared but I was like anytime anyone said oh you know well you had a great career it was like the same feeling I got when I was in high school and my college coach told me, if you're lucky, you'd only play for Ryerson. I wanted to like, mm. I'm not a violent guy, but I wanted to like punch something. I was like, you don't, yeah. know, you don't know what hungry I got inside, right? And so that was sort of like my initial raw emotions. And I think that's why I was able to come back is because I've always had that in my brain, where it's like, I'm not gonna outwardly say anything, but if you tell me something that I don't think agrees with me, I'm gonna make a commitment to myself right now that I'm going to do it, yeah, for me, but also I'm going to do it to prove to everybody else that like yes. you don't make my destiny and my destinies are in my hands, sort of mm-hmm.
1: thing. Well, it's perfect because, you know, this kind of goes into my next question and, I, and I actually it's a quote that you wrote. So I'm quoting mm-hmm. you right now and it's more or less what you just said. So you wrote this, this is an article that I believe you wrote yourself um, mm-hmm. and it goes like this. And this is speaking of the injury and then the rehab process afterwards. So you go, many thought the injury would end my career. So I had to prove to everyone, including myself, that nothing was impossible and that I had left more left in the tank. So that quote, I mean, is more or less what you've just said, you know, when those people are coming to talk to you. So, but I'm curious now if we can kind of get into fast forward into the actual rehab process, because we know a knee rehab is a long and difficult process. So what, what type of internal self-talk, like what did it sound like in your head when you're going through those? those times, you know, when you had setbacks, uh, you know, when you were progressing, when obviously you've told us a little bit about when people doubted you, how you thought, but maybe that internal self-talk, what did it sound like during that time when you were going through that long rehab?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's very similar to what you, th- like that, the way I, I, like I said, I was trying to prove to everyone else and to myself and to to myself is not to be overlooked because you could say whatever you want, like, and you can say you want to prove things to everyone else, but like, if you're not also accepting the truth in that, what they're saying, then you're just like not living in reality. And that's part of like, as a, like, at least for me in my career and as an athlete was like, the reality is like, Rance, your career could be almost done. And that's why it bugs you so much that they say that. Mm -hmm. So like the only way to get around that is to prove to myself as well. Right. So like when there were, when there were days where you know, I like everyone who knows me. If you've seen me on the basketball court, they're like, "Ranch, you got like chicken legs, man. I got, <laughs> I got no ass, and I got skinny legs. I don't know how I was able to play as a four or five with nothing, no real base to push. Like, so it was always fighting. It was always, you know what I mean? And so, like, with an injury like that, it was there wasn't like it was. Oh, if you have big quads, you can come back. Like, I don't got big quads. I don't got to be, you know. So it's like I got to really make sure everything is tracking the right way, and this knee is running the way it's supposed to. And there weren't. Every, it wasn't every day that I felt like I could do it. But again, when I felt like I was ready to go, like, or I had those those thoughts of giving up, I'm the guy that'd be like, shut up, Rance. Like, no one wants to hear that today. Like, shut up. Like, no one. Like, like I'm the guy that says that to myself. Because again, like, I was trying to prove to everyone else the same way. When someone would say something to me that I didn't like, and I wanted to like punch something or like say shut, that's the same thing that I'd be saying to myself. Like, I mm-hmm. I know I know I'm not like Mister. I'm not like the uh, not saying like i'm like the strongest guy in the world but mentally it's hard to break me like i i know what i'm able to like tell myself to do and a part of that was always just part of what i did like i was lucky because that's part of what i learned as an athlete right like i learned that you know whatever like if you run down the court and and you slip and you you roll your ankle a bit but your 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 guy guarding you goes the other way like, you're not allowed to sit there and cry about it because you're going to give up a bucket. You got to just mm-hmm. grit it and get back on defense. And, you know, you got to figure out a way. And so, like, that same mindset, like, when I felt like, damn, I don't know if I can make it back this way. I don't know if I can make it to the rehab tomorrow. Like, like these are – today killed me. Like, today I'm wiped. Like, I don't know if I can do that again tomorrow. Like, I was always the guy to talk to myself. Like, I talked to myself a lot. Like, Ranch, just stop. Stop it. Like, be quiet. Like, you, you're going to do it and – this is just the way it is, like get it done, like stop trying to make excuses, you think you're the only one that had anything hard happen to you, so it was a lot of that self-talk to myself that always helped me to just like to push past those days where, where you, you really don't want to do it, and, and, and you know to that point, you also got to rely on people that have done it before, like I had a couple of friends that had had ACL surgeries as well, and like I said, when it was an emotional time to talk about it, I would talk to some of my boys. I got a, one of my best friends, Shane Denny, who was also in the basketball community. I remember having conversations with him where I felt like between a man, like one man to the next, it was almost weird because I was not crying, but I was almost like on the verge of like, man, like, I don't know, bro. Like, I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. And like most man. people who have had an ACL surgery, injury, like, you know, even like now, if I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh, yeah, I had ACL surgery. I said... Yeah, I know, you know, like I know exactly how you It's a fraternity because you know that like nobody made it through thinking it was gonna be easy. And no one made it through without having days where they're like, I don't know if I can do it no more. Like I'm, you know, I'm done. Like, or like right after the surgery, trying to walk those first couple of days. And you know, you put you you stand up and you get the blood rushing to your leg and you feel like, you know, your leg's gonna explode. You just want, you know, like there's those days that everyone who's had that surgery. It's unilateral, like no one, no one just makes it through. And, and again, that's where when Kobe or any one of these guys, when you see some of their interviews and they're talking about, well, how did you, you ask like Kobe about his Achilles. And they said like, right after when it happened, he was almost crying and they were like, how did you, he's like, I didn't know if I'd be able to do it, but it was like his daughters that sort of like said dad, like, you know, and it made him like re, Train his brain to be like, no, hold on a second. Like, I'm going to do this to prove to everybody, including my family, like, this is what happens when adversity, adversity hits you. Mm-hmm. Reality of you know, and that's like, again, that's sports to me. Like, that's what I always got out of sports. Sports isn't like who's the guy who scores all the points and made all their shots. You know, the guy who usually hits the game, last, the game winning shot or the, makes the, those shots. He misses more shots than he makes. Mm-hmm. You know, like anyone who's like a good scorer, it's not like you score, like, even if you're like 40%, that's still less than mm-hmm. you make,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? It's just that you retrain your brain every time you make to miss it to be like, nah, next time I get it, go up and shoot it with confidence, right? Go up and do what your job is. So, like, the same mindset when I got into rehabbing my knee was, you know, like today wasn't a good day. Tomorrow, you got to come in and like make up for tomorrow. You got to go double, you know, mm-hmm. like, or today's a good day. Like let's get, let's go, let's push a little bit extra. Like I was always looking at like what my rehab person told me to do, and that was one of the harder things. Was they said, you know, you're you're a professional athlete. Be careful. You can't just uh, over. Don't try not to overtrain. Like try not because mm-hmm. you can almost like re-injure yourself by doing too much. And so like I was always trying to find that teeter of like yeah, this hurts. I don't know if I can do it, but like, you know what, today I got to do more today. I got to like, you know, if they said do eight sets. I'm doing 12. I don't care. I'm doing 12. Like, and then, you know, like you have to some days take some steps back and be like, nah, don't do 12. Like you, you were done for the rest of the day. And then you, you damn sat there and let your leg atrophy. You got to be able to do the workout and then still go about your day the normal way. So your legs getting that, you know, doing the right things and getting that reinforcement. So then you would pull it back a bit, but I was always trying to push. I was always trying to push, you know, again, not to say every day was easy, but that was just the mindset of like someone who had been playing sports for a long time and I knew what I had to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I hear you, man. It sounds like you're, you're, you, you were pretty in tune with your thoughts at that time that you could actually address them. Um, which I think is, mm-hmm. which is, which is, which is key to, to be able to get through things rather than just kind of living and having those thoughts but not even realize you're having them. So like mm-hmm. you said, you could address them directly and be like, no, 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 you, you keep going or just you could shut that voice up a little bit. But if you don't even realize that that voice is, is speaking to you and a lot of people don't, I could see how that would, you know, an injury recovery would be that much more difficult. So it's great to hear you say that because I think that's something that a lot of people need to understand um, when they're trying to recover from injury or, you know, even, even just taking training, you know, you're yeah. training, you know, sometimes like, I don't want to do that. Or you're like, I'm going to give up a little early today or I'm a little tired, whatever it is. So, well, speaking of so now, the, the injury um, specifically, you know, it took you away from the game of basketball. And I know for us basketball players, you know, a lot of, you know, our playing is our identity. You know, mm-hmm. basketball is very much that type of sport. And when it gets taken away, a lot of people struggle with that. So I'm curious, how did that knee injury change the direction of your life? For sure, it's a good question. Um, I, I said
0: to, I, I've I said to a lot of people from that injury that um, that might have been, you know, when I, when I look at my basketball story and a lot of times it's like, well, shoot, where you were on the cusp of like really getting to your potential right before, like where could have you gotten, you know? And yeah, you can play those what ifs, but like you don't get no, you don't get nothing out of it for me. I always said, I don't take, I don't regret any part of my basketball career. If I could do it all over, I'd do it the same way, including the blowing out the knee. And the reason why I would say that was um, prior to that year, I thought that, you know, I was like somewhat a superhero. I thought I was somewhat, without realizing it, I just unconsciously thought I was invincible. I thought that, you know what, I'm going to be making this like Dr. Lawyer money and it's only going to go up and I'm going to do it every year. and you know, like, I was never a guy that was, like, really, like, flagrant with spending money on wild things, but I was, like, in my head, I was, yeah, I want to get that jacket, I got that jacket, I want to mm-hmm. get this, I got a budget, what budget, like, they mm-hmm, pay for yeah. all of my stuff, I'm gonna play in Europe for 10 more years, I'm good, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, this is what I, I love doing what I'm doing, so I had that mindset, and that year that I got hurt really was the best year, I always said, to get me prepared for, quote, unquote, the, the real world, or whatever, like, life after ball and i always say that my transition from playing like i retired early even after i came back and played i played one more year and then i said you know what maybe like i am actually i have i love basketball but i like love other things too and like let me see what else this like life has to offer for me but i my transition from playing to whatever came after was almost seamless for me and i think I, i i credit a lot of that to that year Because, like I said, in my mind, what I had constructed in terms of how the years were going to go and what I was going to do were all just my own. There was no injury involved there. It was like I'm going to be able to – there's no way I like even if I fall off and I can't do – like I'll still – they'll pay me because I'll be a great veteran. I'll be a guy Mm -hmm. that will be a good guy in the the locker room. I'll play forever. I'll play for a long time, and I'll Mm -hmm. still be valuable on a lot of teams. They'll pay me. And then even in like to go even more personal, at that time I had – I proposed to my wife or my fiance, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, but I proposed to her in uh, that same year. I flew her out to Italy. Like again, like I was a guy that thought I had everything planned. I was like, man, I'm about to be the guy. I got this whole thing. I'm making good money this year, next year. Like I'm going to try to help my parents out with the house. Like I had this whole plan and I was like, you know, I didn't want to go into doing anything in terms of getting married until like one of my goals in playing ball was my parents did so much for me, even just moving to Canada, to Winnipeg. I was like, I'd love to be able to help them out in some way. Right. And my family's really close. So that was like a goal of mine to be able to help them out with like, you know, a down payment or whatever. And, and I did. I wanted to do that before I got married. So it wasn't a burden that was on my wife and you know in my mind I said like I'm making money this year good money and I saved a bunch where I could probably help them out with that this summer and then next year I'll save up everything and that'll be towards like everything with my future life and you know like this is the right time let me propose to my you know my girlfriend and we'll get married in a year and a half so I'll have two years of right and I had this all planned out and so I flew her out to Italy over Christmas break that year when we're in Germany and we flew to Italy and I had this ring flown out and you know, I had the whole thing set up. I proposed to her in front of Trevi Fountain, which is a beautiful fountain in Italy. And then, you know, going into the year, like she left and then, like I said, like I said, the last game of the season, boom, 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 things happen. And it's like, bro, like what happened to your plan? I'm like, your plan's out the window. Like now you, I have X amount of money in my bank and I'm not working for a whole year and I'm watching it for the beginning. I'm like, okay, I got a good amount of savings. I'm just watching that number just go down, down, down. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Whoa, like what's going on? Like, then yeah. you start to really put things into perspective. And I started to realize, like, also, even in that year, um, it had been so long because I went to university in North Carolina and then I went to play pro right after it had been almost 10 years where I hadn't been in the city watching the grind of the city mm-hmm. from like September till whenever, like, doing like a cold winter in Toronto where like. I'm getting up to do my rehab like it's my job, right? So I'm getting up at like seven or eight in the morning and driving across the town and being stuck in traffic and seeing all these mm-hmm. people hustling to get to work and you know, coming back tired and figuring, oh, I gotta eat for lunch. I gotta damn, you know, like all these things that I never had thought like up until that point, everything was somewhat, like, I was working for what I was getting, but in college, you got a meal plan, and it's all right there. It's convenient right in front of your face, and, like, you don't have to worry about your expenses of your home and whatever. When I was in Europe, they're paying for my house and my car, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm buying groceries here, and they were, like, it's like, I got, like, I don't got no bills, and all of a sudden, like, I'm in my mom's basement again, and I'm trying to help out them even, because I'm, like, damn, I'm eating all the food, and I'm realizing my money's gone, and I'm realizing that I got a damn first time I got to try to file taxes in my whole adult life because I hadn't done it up until then so all these things happened in that year that really got me prepared for being like Rance. you're a basketball player but you're also a Canadian and you're also like a young man who's like an adult like they don't look at you like a kid they look at you like an adult and they're expecting you to have these things done and I, you know I'll be like oh, I played for the national team and I they're like yeah but where are your taxes I'm like yeah I yeah. I don't know <laughs> So like that year really got me prepared for everything that once I got, you know, I I went back and played another year and then I got done uh, or I said, you know, maybe it's time for me to hang them up. And I kind of just moved right into what I I started working as an IT recruiter, but it was like doing something outside of basketball. I felt like I just had a much better preparation for whatever was going to come just due to the fact that I had that year where. I wasn't living that that hoop life for a second. Mm-hmm. I wasn't living that like, and that hoop life is amazing, but it is almost fake. It almost gets you in this thing where you think that you're always having someone like cater to you and give you stuff and pay for you, and the shoes will be like, I'm paying I'm paying for basketball shoes, all in the mm-hmm. first time in my life. I was like, <laughs> man, these things are expensive, <laughs> right? And so that's why I say that year was beautiful for me because it really showed me, you know, and gave me like it didn't like I, I was able to play I played until I played last two years ago right so like mm-hmm. this was 2009 and just the way my story ended up unfolding to have that experience in 2009 and think that might be your last year playing and then go back and play one year 2011 and 12 then not play again for I don't know how many years until 2015 and 16 pretty much and still have all my athleticism, still have the love for the game, still have the knowledge for the game, but also be like, I got a family and I got a couple, you know, properties, yeah. and I have this, that. And so like right now, even with me in the basketball game, I, I credit, you know, I, I work, but, and I work hard, but I always have this running joke with friends. I say, man, if I can make it to like, you're about to be 40. If I can make it another like 10 years, five to 10 years, shoot, I might never have to retire. Like I never <laughs> worked, which yeah, is like yeah, yeah, yeah. where I'm working really hard, but it's like, I set myself up in, in that, the year that I had off in terms of thinking about what do you do with your money? How do you make this this little bit of 30 grand actually last instead of just spending it? Why don't you invest in a pre-sale? You know, how do you make like, and so I started making some of these investments that year that now when I'm back in the game on the coaching side, I don't have to sacrifice you know, running a program to just take everyone's money. No, I can add more value because not that I'm saying like you have to, what you do has to be equated in terms of monetarily, but like I'm in a unique situation where I really can give back to the community a lot and give back a lot of my time and effort and still be, have things that I've lined up that are gonna still carry me through, right? So yeah, that year was an awesome year for me
1: as as crazy as it sounds. It's crazy, I guess, you know, when you were going through it, you probably didn't realize it at the time, huh? No,
0: nah, not at all. But, you know, again, that's the beauty of, like, doing something, I'd say, like, full on and, like, not sometimes. And that's what that year taught me as well. Sometimes you try to plan too much. Sometimes mm-hmm. you plan too much and you don't give enough. Sometimes you just got to give your all into whatever you're doing. And it works out. Like, again, when I played that game and I got hurt, I gave my everything that year. I literally like anyone from that team, if they ever like, and I sometimes I reach out like just randomly on, on social media and people, this is almost t- 10 years ago. They say, Rance, I still remember you in that year and what you did for our team, right? Mm-hmm. So again, then, and then the year of rehabbing, it was the same thing. It was like, let me just go all in on this. Like, let me not try to think about too much. When am I gonna play or not? Like, let me just give all my energy. And sometimes when you do that, you know, you get rewarded or blessed in the end. And I mean, it's not a coincidence.
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely man and it sounds like uh you know all the stuff you learned just came from being smacked in the face with reality uh during that year you got you got you got all the stuff that normal people had to go through like you mentioned some of the day-to-day grind stuff uh some of the financial stuff things that people you know don't play pro ball or a lot of people go through over an extended period of time and you almost got that all at once Mm -hmm. and had to kind of digest it and 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 take it all on and so you know you could see how that would that would that would challenge you to uh, change change your life and and to uh to kind of just put things in perspective and uh and so taking that new perspective that you gain through those times are there any like things that you develop like routines like you know a typical question is you know hey do you have a morning routine or an evening routine uh things that you do that uh are consistent in your life kind of every day for sure
0: um i think it's sort of slowed down a little bit now. It sometimes seems like life and whatever it gets, like I got three kids and it's like all of a sudden you're not the focus anymore. It's everyone mm-hmm. else. But I would say it's almost 10 years from that, at least eight years of that time from there. And still now I do somewhat consistently it was like, I just realized the only way I was able to get back because I didn't have strong, like lower half of the body. My game was all based around my core. Like my core had to be rock hard. Like my core had to be engaged at all times. And, and you know everyone's rehab story is slightly different because everyone has a different you know physical makeup for me I mean I'd say for everyone you need to have your core your core helps you out with a lot of things but for me just in particular when I came back from my knee I, it was a big thing to develop and to to get my core and when I say my core it was like I had to get my abs and all you know that as strong as possible but also it wasn't just that it was my back like I had to get my lower back and I mean that even segues into I broke my back in 2012, right? So like I had to get my back as strong as possible, and, and then with my with my knee because I didn't have big quads. It was like getting your glutes firing all the time the right way, getting your hamstrings firing the same right way all the time. And in doing that, I just sort of like built up my body. And the funny thing is, I I, I did that, and I, I was also I was already like a professional athlete, but. Everything, like I said, I, I played one year after that, and then I didn't play again until 2016 almost because I broke my back in between. But I came out of that stronger in terms of, like, my core strength than I was before I played when I was on the national team. And I always I it was always this re- weird feeling, like, I've had these weird, like, stints. Like, um, I think it was 2016 was when the national team just called me up and said, hey, you know, we heard that you're somewhat in good shape still. And... We we're wondering you know like we're kind of short on bodies would you be willing to come to training camp and i was like Bro, i haven't played i haven't done nothing on like <laughs> terms of that level in like five years if you want me to come out and you know, fly me to toronto like sure and it was like you know like i had some certain struggles you can't because it's hard to just get back into that zone but the fact that i could even compete for four days and do what it was because i just built up my core i just made myself so strong that you know, I wasn't like out really strong, but I was wirely strong. Why are why why are we strong? I could hold my spot. It was hard for you to move me if I wanted to hold. Like if I got to the spot first, it was my spot. You know, if you tried mm-hmm. to post me up, I'm moving you out of the way, and and all of that stuff was really just from building up my body. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's 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 cool. So I think you mentioned it. Uh, you know, your you, the core the core area uh, is something that you worked in. Are there any other things you know post acl you know knee injury and i should say acl mcl whatever hmm. the big the big three uh knee injury that you suffered uh, besides your core were there other things that you started to pay attention to that you didn't before your injury like with your body
0: mm, yeah you know what like if you have a big like a serious injury from like a lever or like something that like 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 my back that like you use for everything you start to realize the most minute movements it's like when I like certain things that like uh, the trainers started to get me aware to was like when I would be squatting or doing anything where I was like trying to have a base instead of my toes being spread out and like this I was almost like this and like it almost it's one of those things like and it helped me out in terms of when I got into coaching after when you're trying to tell someone like hey like, what are you doing? And, like, you're trying to, like, recorrect, like, even a shot. And sometimes you got to show them. you would be like, hold on a second. Stop. Just catch the ball and look. Look at your hands. Like, why mm-hmm. are you doing this extra thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to see it until someone has to, like, they could do it ten times in a row, a hundred times. And I keep telling them, and they'll be like, huh? But if you can get in there and you can actually, like, ask him to do the mo- the motion and then show them what they're doing and tell them to stop and almost take a picture of themselves. Like, look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Look at your hands. Mm-hmm. Like, stop and look at your. And then they'll be like, whoa, I didn't even know why I'm doing it. Because our brains will do things to us, right? And we won't really realize it. And so, like, that was, like, with my knee, a lot of the beauty of, like, the rehab coming back from that is you start to realize that some of the reasons why you had the injury in the first place was because you weren't moving as functional as you should, right? And so, like I said, like, I would always, like, it would be like this, like, tense up motion. I'd be trying to get, but, like, that didn't do anything to help my like my core from the bottom up, like from my Mm -hmm. ankle stability and movement up to my knees. And, you know, that was just one of them that I can remember off the top of the head. But it was like, as I started to rework my body through my knee, you started, I started to realize like even in terms of like, uh, I was blessed to be able to work under the national team trainer, uh, Sam Gibbs, who was like world renowned. And he, you know, he was on the Olympic staff and he's just, he's, I call him sort of like a Jedi. He's just a guy that you walk in there and, you know, there'd be times where I'd tell him, ah, you know, there's something on my side, and he'd start playing like on in like my gun cavity. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, yeah, you know, right? But he had showed me that even in terms of my breathing, he was like, you know, are you you're almost breathing out of your chest, and that's no good. Like, you know, you got to be using your diaphragm. You got to mm-hmm. really. Be, that has to be your engine right and so he like again some might think that has nothing to do with your knee but he retrained me into into how my body could optimize like optimize the best like how i could optimally using everything to give me the best amount of you know performance and I, even when i went back to play that year after my knee surgery and i was in germany I had, uh, halfway through the year, you know, was still hurting a bit. And I went to see a specialist in, in Cologne, Germany, and it was, uh, the same place where Kobe had gone to do a lot of his like plate lit stuff during mm-hmm. one of his years of learning more about his body. And it's interesting learning about the body science, because it's like, there were certain things again, same way where she was like, well, I want you to, you know, put one arm up above your head and... and put your other knee at 90 degrees and like get up on your toes and I was like I can't like and she's like why can't you do that or or, like I want you to do you know and then she'd make me really think why like why can't you do that and she's like the reason you can't is because you're not you're not really you you think you're okay but like when I'm watching the video like you're running off one leg still like your left glute isn't even firing at all you know or Mm -hmm. she'd say get on the side and like I want you to be able to lift your 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 knees apart keeping your your heels together without using your back and i was like you know i tried everything i could but i couldn't quiet my back and she's like that's a problem you shouldn't be having to use your back to use to do something that is a leg motion why can't you just get your glute to fire and and I, and i mean i i use that i was just working with a guy uh, from UBC, um, who was just coming back, uh, Pat Simons, he's just coming back from ACL surgery. And the same thing, I gave him a couple of my little tricks. I said, you know, like, these are things that I realized that I wasn't even, they weren't firing at all before. So, like, this might be part of the reason, I'm not saying for sure, but, like, before, after I learned these things, I would never step on a basketball court when I played some of the best ball after, like, 2015, 16, 17, without, I had these three things I did. So I had uh, these slides. Slider pads, and I wouldn't step on a cord unless I did like I had like three different exercises on the slider pad. Not for me, just when I did an engage in my uh my hamstring, my hamstring was right away engaged. And then I had uh these bands, I put them around my above my knee, and I would do this uh this thing. I had it with like a what is that I can't remember what it's called now, but it's like connected to your arms. So when yeah, you, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But I, I
0: had a certain routine that I did, and if I if I did those things it just gave me confidence and and whether it was like uh you know one of those you know it's in my head and it made me play better but from that point moving on every time I stepped on the court I always felt like I was just in great control and that Mm. for me was the time when the game slowed down the most amount for me where Mm. I was playing and um I could just I could move where I wanted to. I could do what I wanted with my body, and I always felt engaged. And it was just, I got my glutes engaged and I got my hamstrings engaged before every time I stepped on the court, and made a huge difference.
1: Well, it's I love I love hearing this because it's it's one of my philosophies. Like again, I've, I want to kind of hear a little bit more about your back injury because I you know I suffered back injury, lost control of my my right leg, it was completely mm-hmm. paralyzed, and I couldn't be do anything anymore. And it was the scariest one of the scariest things that ever happened but I I had injuries throughout my whole college playing career as well. The same thing, all related to exactly what you're saying, you know, lack of proper movement patterns and mobility and things of that nature. Muscles aren't fine. They should be. Mm -hmm. But the thing, the reason why I like your story and kind of what what you said is you're, you're trying to get across the fact that like your body, you know, we look at, we often forget, and it's, it's obvious when you say it, but we don't treat ourselves as one you know like a holistic yeah. approach you know if if yeah. if you have tightness in your shoulders and you have poor range of motion in your shoulders and you're playing basketball where you're always going up over your head well that's going to travel down the chain into yeah. other parts of your body and i think you know that's the thing that you said you kind of took from it is a better understanding of the full function of your body and how that affects other parts and if i can get that across to anybody like that's kind of my goal is
0: mm-hmm. to try
1: to get that message across to athletes and basketball players saying look you got to do some of these things you have to take your warm-ups uh you know seriously you have to do this pre-work before games um you got to make sure you're cooling down properly and doing all the things so yeah the band work is something that i've i've, I've done a lot of um when i was still playing um uh, just to get going i still do stuff every single day um you know more back centered stuff but hip mobility and all that stuff so it's it's it it, it it just needs to be said so i love the fact that you know you're kind of you're out there saying that now with your back, um, I think that my research tells me that was it from a car accident though, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, are you doing things to, um, make sure that your back is staying healthy, practicing some, you know, different, you know, spine hygiene, uh, techniques or anything like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, the back was, um, was, that was an unfortunate one. I just was a freak accident. Someone was speeding, coming down from Whistler and lost control and hit me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, that was, uh, you know, coming back from the knee injury, thinking like, yeah, you know, I can overcome things. That back injury was really, it was almost depressing, more depressing, because I was like, man, I can't do anything all of a sudden. It's like, I'm not even mm-hmm. doing this for sport. Like, I'm struggling to, I'm struggling to get out of bed. I'm struggling to, like, drive. I really been in Squamish at the time. I can't drive from Squamish to the city, you know. I got to mm-hmm. stop halfway along the way, like, three times to get out and just stand up straight, because I, yeah, but like you said, to the point, where i knew my body is like a holistic like everything together if i was sitting for too long i could feel it running down my back towards my hamstrings and then Mm -hmm. my my hamstrings would get super tight you know and i'd be like oh i gotta get up you know i could Mm -hmm. feel everything Mm -hmm. just i felt like i would be like shriveling in um but to come out of that i was a real testament to what i learned from my knee injury and about Mm -hmm. my body Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: i mean i i was a a compression fracture like the t4 t5 um i could have been in a situation where let alone playing sports like just doing everyday activities a lot of people don't make it back 100 percent like that means it might be something that affects me for the rest of my life and i just realized from like everything i've learned from my knee that like I when I was working with like my physio or rehab it wasn't like they were telling me how to do something and I was just listening we were working hand in hand I was like Mm. okay cool like I know how to do that and you know like they'd come back and say oh did you do this I said yeah I did that and also I added in these other exercises because I knew that like and um just again like long story short but to show a testament to like what I was able to do through my that that knowledge of my body and and that I had learned was it was an ICBC claim, which is like, you know, we all know that it's not easy to like win a settlement for something. And mm-hmm. um, without getting to the specifics, I went into, after this is two and a half years of, of going, just trying to get back to like, I'm not doing it to win a claim, I'm doing it to just be able to, to live, right? And it came to the point where like, they got to end the claim. And I went into this uh, meeting with the arbitrator or whatever. And, you know, from my understanding, it was like, they're not on your side. They work for the ICBC and they're trying to give you the lowest deal. And I just came in and I told them my story from like, like, like we're talking like this. And I, and I said, hey, this is what happened. And, you know, this is where I was as an athlete. And, you know what I mean? Like I used some, a lot of that stuff I learned with my knee from my back. And these are the things I've been doing. And now all of a sudden I'm playing again and I'm playing. And, you know, I was playing with uh, in uh, the Seattle Pro-Am and I'm playing against, you know, um, who is out there, uh, Zach Levine and like um, all these guys out there and I'm balling, I'm having, you know, like I'm, I'm really, cool. and so I told him the story and the guy, when he was done, he, he said, okay, you know what, um, I'm just actually going to go out and talk to my, my supervisor because, you know, I don't want to disrespect you with what I have on me, what in terms of the offer I was going to try to make, <laughs> which is for me, I was like, huh, like I thought it was some type of trick thing until yeah. after. And then, I realized that like, wow, Rance, like not, I didn't do it for that reason, but like, that's like, that's even like confirmation from someone that isn't supposed to be on your side that they were like, man, this guy, you know, he did everything in his power actually to be like, he's sitting in front of me and he's probably in better shape than I am. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: that shows that like, he didn't take this like, like lightly and it wasn't his fault and it happened and it, you know, might've affected, you know, future earnings. And, you know, they came back with a higher settlement than we asked for, right? Wow. So, like, that's, like, even in itself, like, very unique. But, again, all of that for me, like, and that's why I always say, and I'll keep going back to that year with my knee, as crazy as it sounded and as bad as it was in terms of, like, my mindset at that day, at that, at that moment, like, wow, like, it just ruined everything I'd started. It gave me an opportunity to be better prepared for everything that happened after, right? And so, yeah. with my back yeah it was you know like even to this day like there's there's certain um I had figured like you know back bridges and back planks and I have a whole I have a whole routine if you go on on whatsapp I mean on an ig this summer that was part of like when the quarantine first started I said how do I you know if I can't get in the gym with people and it's sunny out and I had like a flat driveway I said man let me just make these video series and like get the next generation, like, how do I keep giving back to the basketball community? I'm like, you guys need to know this. Like, you need to know how to take care of your own body. At some point, it can't be, you know, you only did it because the trainer told me to do it. You're not going to get to the level you want to. And it doesn't mean you have to be 250 pounds. I'm 200 pounds soaking wet. I'm not supposed to be where I was, except for I built my body up to be as strong as I can. And I, and I did a lot of pre, pre-injury pre workouts and, you know, pre-work that got me into that place and I like so I, I put everything online I made I, I gave everyone I said I was doing 500 sit-ups a day during the summer so I, so I, gave, them <laughs> one, I gave them my back and uh, hamstring routine I gave them all like I have a stretching routine that mm. I still do with the kids in my program and I and I try to emphasize to them that guys this is the same stretching routine I did from when I was a freshman in college like mm. I added a couple things to it at the end but this is still like you know like if you don't have a routine if you have if you don't Know how to do 15 stretches back to back, like and okay. Well, now here I'm on the ground. Let's add this one, and this is good for your hips. This one, this mm-hmm. one's good for your IT band. This one's good for. Your, if you don't got one of those, you're never gonna be able to play at the level you want to because mm-hmm. we put emphasis in that. When you're in college, like it's like when you're stretching at the end, it isn't a joke thing. Like if you're if you're joking around stretching, guess what? You'll be doing soon running. Oh, you yeah, don't want to? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you
1: guys can run. You guys think yeah.
0: it's done? Let's go run then. You do not want to stretch right yeah. so like yeah. that's mindset sort of just stayed with me and yeah
1: yeah well that's, you said it exactly what, right man if, if you want to have su- success uh playing basketball and especially long-term success and and going up moving up to higher levels this, taking care of your body is is paramount because if your body doesn't function you can't play and it's as simple as that and it's and it's interesting because you've now so you blew out your knee came back from that you had a back injury and you actually came back from that you had mentioned a little bit about the seattle pro-am but you actually came back and played in the nbl as well as the Mm cebl and we're talking you know 2019 i think in the cebl uh you were playing so you know without getting to all the you know the the physical details of like hey you know how you felt and all that but why did you come back after being gone for so long? You know, you're done. Did somebody did somebody say, "Hey, Ryan's, you can't play anymore"? And you were like, "Screw that, I'm gonna show Or, or was it just like inside? You're like, "I gotta play." What was it? Uh, I think it was a bit of like,
0: a. I'm like, a, I'm a lifer. You know what I mean? Like this basketball thing isn't like I'm doing it for like just like glitz and glam. Like I love the game. Like mm-hmm. I really do. I have had some of the the funnest experiences in my life. I had through the game and like i wasn't an overly confident person before um so like i learned so much about myself through it and like i challenged myself so much through it that it's like without it i kind of you know at a time let's say when i broke when i blew up my knee it was like i had to prove to everyone that i could play because i was afraid what if i couldn't play and then by the time i got my back injury and it was back and i was fine it was i didn't have to prove anything to anyone else anymore it was more for like the love because I was like hold on a second like I remember my coach when I was in high school he was like maybe 30 something he couldn't dunk and he used to talk all these like talk about how he used to and I'm like yeah. I'm still throwing down like I can do a 360 I can still yeah like my jumpers never felt any better right so I was like well let's just play just for the fun of it so that's how it started right and like okay. playing against Jamal Crawford and them and those guys doing things and I was still hooping like the the real one for me was when I played uh, Michael Porter Jr. and I get like you know he was the number one high school rated player at the time. And I'm this 35 year old old guy. And and we go head to head and, you know, he dropped whatever, I think 44, but I dropped 41 and like 20 and we won. Right. And so after that, like people started talking a bit. And for me too, it was just like, okay, if you love this game. And I started hearing in, like when I retired the first time, a lot of my colleagues and people on the national team, cause guys who make it that level, you don't retire early. Like it's like, mm-hmm. you, it's like you got a lifetime thing you can do with this. They always said, man, bro, like you sure? You sure? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm good. Like I'm all good with it. But what one guy or some people have said to me, I remember always stuck with me was like, it's a long time retired, you know, like it's a long time done. Like you have forever, like whether you decide you want to stop playing at, you know, 30 or 40, the majority of your life if you're lucky is not playing so it's a mm-hmm. long time not playing so like i that always stuck with me i was like you know like whatever i'm 36 i'm in pretty good like i feel like i'm in the best shape of my life and then this opportunity with saint john's edge opened up in the nbl and also it was like i always i love basketball but i also use the game which i think was to my benefit like it used me i guess like you say i got hurt and stuff like that but i always was someone that like used it in a right way i wasn't using it to like i was like if i go there i know i'm not gonna go there just to say i'm going and then bs and not practice hard i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna be like the old guy who's gonna make everyone else have to work harder because they're gonna be like well shoot if he's doing it then i gotta do it but i used the game in terms of my i have a family now I've never been past Montreal in Canada I've traveled all over the world and I've never been to my own country out wow. east. And I was like you know what I might never actually go there because unless I have family there or whatever why would I go out that way so it was intriguing I was like man that's what life's about it's about like using you know the blessings or things that are around you and like making an opportunity and living and so like for me, it was a no that's where I was like, I talked a lot over my wife, and our kids were still young. Like my youngest was in kindergarten. So we're like, shoot, let's take him out of school for a couple months. Let's just go out to Newfoundland and see what it's like. Right. And nice. then so that's where we did it. And then Carl English, who was also, you know, it was two parts. Like Carl English was, you know, when you're playing on the national team or at a high level, those guys are like your brothers. Like we went into countries where we got in fights in Italy with other teams, you know, and it's like You know you're not going to war but you always have this like warrior mentality like where I think I can, I can empathize how like two war vets will always have this thing like when you go into a country where no one else cares about you except for those 12 boys and you're out there trying to win there's something that you'll have like in terms of a brotherhood for life and so Carl English was a guy that I came into the national team with and I watched his career and he had a great career and it was always like he was a different guy. And I was always like, man, it'd be really cool to just see where this guy actually lives. Like I <laughs> laugh about Newfoundland and how it's, yeah, staying, that's true. it's like. So that's, that's where true. that whole mindset came. And then I went out there and it was a beautiful experience. You know, I played and I played fairly well. Like again, for a guy who hadn't, hadn't played any organized like beyond summer league ball, any organized basketball against like high performance players since 2011. And then you know, 2016, I just said, you know, not even at, let me go and get a like a like a preseason and get worked into shape. They asked me if I wanted to come in January. I said, yeah, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> so I just went out there in midseason, and um, again, it's a big like I downplay it, but the only reason I was able to do that is like all the things we just talked about. There's no way that a guy who's 36 years old. 200 pounds, six foot seven, playing the center power forward. Like that's not even my position. Like I shouldn't be able to go out there. That means what I'm trying to explain is there's going to be a lot of torque, a lot of force. It's going to not be one of those positions you just run around and run off a screen and shoot. Like there's going to be a lot of force, and to be able to do that at my, you know, my age was only because I had done so much to get my body and my core and everything engaged and working. So that's where I did that. And then again, two year, I guess a year later or two years later after that i was like i called that whole year my retirement from retirement to i kind of made made light of it and i had fun with the whole thing i said you know what i'm ready retired but like if someone's gonna give me an opportunity like this like yeah i love the game like i want to like be more connected to the younger generation too it's going to be only better for me to understand on the coaching side what is it going to help take to help these kids right Mm -hmm. So that's why I did that, and then I was done, and I was totally content. And I was like, you know, that's it. Like whatever. We didn't win, which was frustrating, but I'm like, we had a good season, and that was that. And then the thing that came up with the Fraser Valley Bandits, it was really just because it was in the backyard, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm like I said, I'm a lifer in basketball, and if I was in Toronto, I'd say I'm, uh, you know, I'm all about the culture of Toronto, and I want it because that's where I grew up or if I was in Winnipeg it'd be the same because that's where I was when I was younger but like living in Vancouver you know I really have a strong connection to wanting to see the basketball culture like take the next step I know that we're like everyone always says certain things about like oh we're you know like you know we're not Toronto we're not Montreal yet but I feel mm-hmm. like we have an opportunity and so like I just thought there was no it was almost like there's no more fitting way for me to to really help that by you know, being a part of this inaugural season. Like we haven't had any basketball in Toronto. I mean, in Vancouver since the Grizzlies. Yeah. I can't turn it down. Right. And so again, that one, I was a little bit more nervous. I'm like, Reds, you're like, you know, like going into that year, I had that same mindset going into that last year playing uh, where I blew up my knee. I was like, you can, this is all good and dandy. And everyone will lie, like, say you had a great time. As long as you don't get hurt, if you get hurt, People are like, "Rance, what are you doing? Like, are you the guy who just can't say no? Like, I'm 38. Like, I don't need to be mm-hmm. doing this, right? But it, you know, knock on wood, and, and God willing, thankfully, it was no real no injuries, and you know, we didn't win the way we wanted. I wanted it, wanted to, but like for me, it was just uh, it was a great experience to be able mm-hmm. to at that age, you know, I'm I'm I was so connected to the basketball like culture that in in Canada that it, you know, and you I almost like it was like thrown in my face. It's like teams that I'm playing against, their head coach, their guys that I played against in high <laughs> yeah, school. yeah. that yeah. I had seen along the way and been nationally. you know, like it was mm-hmm. every turn I met every every city I played in, I was like, I know this, like the general manager is like my colleague. It's like my old player and mm-hmm. like Randy's mm-hmm. so playing. I'm like And I'm just, you know, like everyone has a different path. And and again, that's the beauty about the game. I think that, and we got to learn that more here in Vancouver. It's like, there's so many ways to affect it. Like what you're doing, that's a beautiful way to affect it. Playing is one way too. Coaching is another way, you know? And I was just trying to take advantage of, of another opportunity that was laid in front of me to just, you know, even get in deeper with the culture out here and really, you know, it's not, it's one thing to talk about something and it's another thing to be like, yeah, I know what that team's like. Like I played mm-hmm. on it. I know yeah. what the league is like because I played in that league. So
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: yeah, that's like one of my bigger accomplishments when I look at my whole career now that it's done. Like I made a highlight film for myself in my career in 2012. <laughs> I have released <laughs> it. because Like what the hell is this? Like, that's so long ago. But like if I look at my career now, like 2021 and like having played those last two years and the whole uh-huh. pro-am thing, Um, I'd say one of the biggest things that I'm proud of is that fact that I played as long as I did to where we ended up getting like professional leagues in Canada. And I played in both of them, which is yeah, a lot of people could say that. So that's true.
1: That's that's cool, man. I, 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 uh, it's like you, you, you were retired uh, twice and then almost like, came back a third time almost. I mean, I don't know if you officially retired the second time, but it's, it is cool. And, and, and you say it's so right. And it, that is a cool thing to think about that you actually played in both leagues. And in Canada, you know, we've been trying to have professional leagues here. And I think so far the CEBL is doing a great job and, and uh, to, to represent like that, um, kind of to say that you represented at every level here in Canada, I guess, I mean, outside of the college level, but you play for the national team and then you play for the professional teams. And it is something to be said about the fact that you're. You said you're 38 right now. Are you 39?
0: Uh, 39. I'll be. And you 40. played when
1: you were 38, though, right? You were playing yeah. at 38. Yeah. Playing at 38, you blew out your knee and you, you know, hurt your back very bad in a back injury. And it's like you said, man, the the ability for you to actually do that spoke speaks to the the preparation and the work that you put in on your body to be able to do that. Because there's a lot of people that have not gone through through those injuries. And their body is in such bad shape that they can't play, uh, you know, past 36. They're done, 35. 50%. And uh, they don't even, they're like, look, I'm in too much pain. It hurts when I wake up in the morning. I don't want to do that. So it is, it, you know, people, you know, I definitely didn't play a long career like you. Like I played college and I played a little bit after, played, stayed active, stayed working out. But, you know, you and I are very close in age. I'm a, probably a year and a half mm-hmm. younger than you. And I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah, like I'm in the best shape like I feel you know the most confident with my body and very similar to you very similar story in the fact that like I understand like everything from my my grip strength to my toes and like Mm. spreading my toes and all that stuff and those are things that like if if you know had had you and I knew knew these things before type Mm. of whole thing you know what maybe you never injure your knee and all that stuff and and although it was a it was a you're happy with where it led you you still don't wish that kind of stuff on anyone and if we can help avoid those injuries for people. I just think there's just a the power in that, you know?
0: Guys, you give me one second? I'm just going to get my charger. Give me one yeah, yeah.
1: second. So, you know, in saying all of that, really, you know, we're, we're coming to an end here. I was wondering if you could leave us with something here. So if you could, you know, give one piece of advice to every basketball player in the world who today just tore their ACL, what would that message be?
0: Hmm your question um I think my message would be you know yeah it's unfortunate that it happened but it is well within like your grasp to come out of that injury better a better player than you were when you went into it and that's the beauty of like I think my story and like what you were saying a bit is it should be inspirational like for I don't want people to look at me like some some type of like freak athlete like yeah I was blessed with certain abilities but like I'm not the prototypical person who should be able to have done what I did the only thing is that I just I did it and and how I did it was I went into a situation that wasn't wasn't like you know something that I was like excited about or wanted to happen to me but I, like I said, went into it head on and and went into it and I learned about myself, right? I learned about different things that would help me as an athlete, right? And so, um, yeah, again, I want to encourage people that if they're going through any type of injury or anything like that, that like your job is to A, not give up every day, like attack it head on. But also your job isn't to just come out of that injury and be like, okay, like, now I did that to be able to play, like, it's like, no, all those things that you learned, because you're going to learn all those things about yourself. And then you're not just like your makeup of mental, like strength, but in terms of your actual body, physiology, like, I didn't realize that, like, like, we spoke on that my hamstrings, or this or that, or weren't firing properly, and then take that knowledge. And if you take that knowledge, then there's no reason why you don't, you don't, come back, you know, with a stronger core, with more awareness of who you are in terms of an athlete, what, you know, which ways to move to be most efficient. And again, like I, sort of the key word is, is efficiency, which is what we talk about as an athlete all the time. Right. And um, my injury allowed me, which is in a silly way as it sounds, to come back and be more efficient of a player, mm-hmm. to come back after my injury and to understand that, like, if I wanted to go, from point A to point B, I was doing it before, but I was doing it using the wrong muscles. Now I'm going using like, you know, I'm keeping my, like if you keep your core engaged and you, you know, and we know those things like without going into that depth, if you were saying you have to go get a box out or whatever, and hit someone and then go up, if you don't have a core and you hit them, and you don't hit them solid, A, either you're not going to move them and they're going to hit you back and you lose the position or you hit them and you don't use your core and you hit them too hard and it's an offensive foul. When you realize that, like, and these are the things I learned from after my injury, that, like, I need to be engaged before I do anything in terms of contact with anyone else. And it's it's not like it became like this, it, it became a physical thing or a thing that I knew in my, in my mind, but that it just happened. It was just was my nature of the way I played because I mm-hmm. took conscious, like, you know uh effort to like understand that and, and once you can do that then like again I'm sort of going around in the tangent but like you should be able to come back to the, the game if you if you're able to do that and be a more efficient athlete right and like that's the really the reason why when I was playing at 38 I was still playing well and like I when I when people said oh how does the, the game slow down I said yeah all the game slows down means is like I'm not just running like left and right for no reason i'm not doing all like i'm being efficient with my movement like if i want to go there i'm going to give you a fake this way and i'm going to go that way and i'm going to make sure that you know you're not going to what fake do you believe if the core is not engaged what fake Mm -hmm. do you you know like so all those things are just things that you know you you really gotta i encourage people when they're doing that rehab don't just do the rehab to come back just to be able to play again and be Mm -hmm. that same athlete in the rehab you learn so much about just how your body moves and you got to take that information and then carry it back into the way you play and, and, you know, if you can do that, you're going to have way more success.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. And it's kind of like the, the, the message I got from this entire conversation is, um, is to make sure that when you're, you're having these experiences to, to learn from them, mm-hmm. to really, to really be present and really learn from them. And like, you, you said it great. You said, don't just go through the rehab, right? Be present with the rehab, learn, you know, why is this person showing me or telling me to do this? What, what, is, what effect is it having on my body? And then, like you said, come out better than, than you went into it, right? You go in with a knee injury and 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 you want the story to be i came back stronger i came back understanding my body i came back with a better understanding of who i was or how my body moved there has to be some improvement on the other side of that injury otherwise you know what it's it's going to be um you know if there's no story of uh progress behind it then it then it is something that you can look back and pity Right. You said, I don't want people to pity me or my story is this bad story. It's not. It's it's a motivational story, but it's only so because of that mentality that you have and uh, making yeah. sure that every step you took was something where you were improving. And every step you you every uh, you know, time something bad happened, you know what you took that and, and gave yourself a goal to kind of get better. And I think if people can do that, um, they're going to be so much better off. And, and that includes not just injuries. That includes regular basketball training. That sure. include that inc- includes strength and conditioning training. That includes you know studying. It doesn't matter what it is. If you have that mentality, you you will have success in your life long term, and you and you'll be you'll feel better about yourself. So, in 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 me saying all of that and kind of bringing it all together, Ransford, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Um, no, I just I appreciate
0: you you know giving me the the time and the space to open up and it and and share my story. And again, I'm. I want guys that are in the basketball, you know, world or playing, whether you're already playing pro, you're in college, you're in high school, you're trying to make it there, to understand that, like, you're not supposed to, like, reinvent the wheel. You know what I mean? Like, there's guys and there's people there that have, like, done it and are showing you the way. And it's, like, it's just on us as humans to, like, be willing to be coached, to listen, to, like, listen to that voice in ourselves, be listening to a coach who's trying to give you the right, like, Techniques that give you more success, and and you know, if if I just encourage people to do that, you know, to, to let, be humble enough to realize that like you can always still learn. You know, for me when I was 39 playing ball or 38, I was still like when a coach was telling me about how to shoot shooting mechanics, I was still like taking that in, like mm-hmm, okay, like mm-hmm. I don't know how many like hundreds of coaches have taught me this, but like that little piece the way he said it made sense and like let me add that to my game like I just want players and people in the basketball community to understand that like you know there's a lot of knowledge out there to be like you know to be had that will help improve the way we move functionally on the court and what we do and how we we can have more success but we got to be willing to listen right we got to be willing Mm -hmm. to like say hey I might be top 12 guy in, in, in the nation, but I still got a lot to work on. I still got people like that can show me something and uh, how to be more successful. I can still be more efficient as a player, right? That's yeah. the mindset that I, I think as a community of basketball people heads and whatever, we need to just continue to embody. We can do that. I just, I'm all I'm, I'm a extremely positive person and I'm just, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for these conversations because I know it's gonna be five, 10 years, whatever it is down the road when we continue to evolve as a basketball community where we're going to be like, man, remember when we were talking about Mm -hmm. how this could translate to this with our future athletes and they're going to get there. Right. I want those future athletes to get there, but they just, it's like, you got to focus in on what's being said. And you got to be humble enough to like, take it in and actually like listen and then put it into play. Right.
1: Well, that's perfect, man. It's well said. And I will end on that. And Ransford, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you doing this.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you too. And when this is all done, we got to figure out a a way to sit down and, you know, go for a tea or a a beer or whatever we're at. You know, Uh, like we should should find a way to connect.
1: Absolutely, brother. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Back to Basketball podcast. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes, subscribing, rating, and leaving a review for the podcast, as well as following us on social media. We thank you for your support